0: chapter eighty five of the d'artagnan romances volume three part one by alexandre dumas translated by william robson this recording is in the public domain the tents the admiral as we have seen was determined to pay no further attention to buckingham's threatening glances and fits of passion in fact from the moment they quitted england he had gradually accustomed himself to his behavior De Guiche had not yet in any way remarked the animosity which appeared to influence that young nobleman against him, but he felt instinctively that there could be no sympathy between himself and the favorite of Charles II. The queen mother, with greater experience and calmer judgment, perceived the exact position of affairs, and as she discerned its danger was prepared to meet it whenever the proper moment should arrive. Quiet had been everywhere restored except in Buckingham's heart. He, in his impatience, addressed himself to the princess in a low tone of voice for heaven's sake madame i implore you to hasten your disembarkation you do not perceive how that insolent duke of norfolk is killing me with his attentions and devotions to you henrietta heard this remark she smiled and without turning her head toward him but giving only to the tone of her voice that inflection of gentle reproach and languid impertinence which women and princesses so well know how to assume she murmured i have already hinted my lord that you must have taken leave of your senses." Not a single detail escaped Raoul's attention. He heard both Buckingham's entreaty and the princess's reply. He remarked Buckingham retire, heard his deep sigh, and saw him pass his hand across his face. He understood everything and trembled as he reflected on the position of affairs and the state of the minds of those about him. At last the admiral, who hath studied delay, gave the last orders for the departure of the boats. Buckingham heard the directions given with such an exhibition of delight that a stranger would really imagine the young man's reason was affected. As the Duke of Norfolk gave his commands, a large boat or barge, decked with flags and capable of holding about twenty rowers and fifteen passengers, was slowly lowered from the side of the admiral's vessel. The barge was carpeted with velvet and decorated with coverings embroidered with the arms of England and with garlands of flowers, for at that time ornamentation was by no means forgotten in these political pageants no sooner was this really royal boat afloat and the rowers with oars uplifted awaiting like soldiers presenting arms the embarkation of the princess than buckingham ran forward to the latter in order to take his place his progress was however arrested by the queen my lord she said it is hardly becoming that you should allow my daughter and myself to land without having previously ascertained that our apartments are properly prepared i beg your lordship to be good enough to proceed us ashore and to give directions that everything be in proper order on our arrival this was a fresh disappointment for the duke and still more so since it was so unexpected he hesitated colored violently but could not reply he thought he might be able to keep near madame during the passage to the shore and by this means to enjoy to the very last moment the brief period fortune still reserved for him the order however was explicit and the admiral who heard it given immediately called out launch the ship's gig his directions were executed with that celerity which distinguishes every maneuver on board a man-of-war buckingham in utter hopelessness cast a look of despair at the princess of supplication toward the queen and directed a glance full of anger toward the admiral the princess pretended not to notice him while the queen turned aside her head and the admiral laughed outright at the sound of which buckingham seemed ready to spring upon him the queen mother rose and with a tone of authority said pray set off sir the young duke hesitated looked around him and with a last effort half choked by contending emotion said And you, gentlemen, Monsieur de Guiche and Monsieur de Bragelonne, do you not accompany me? De Guiche bowed and said, "Both Monsieur de Bragelonne and myself await Her Majesty's orders. Whatever the command she imposes on us, we shall obey them." Saying this, he looked toward the princess, who cast down her eyes. "Your Grace will remember," said the Queen, "that Monsieur de Guiche is here to represent Monsieur." it is he who will do the honors of france as you have done those of england his presence cannot be dispensed with besides we owe him this slight favor for the courage he displayed in venturing to seek us in such a terrible stress of weather buckingham opened his lips as if he were about to speak but whether thoughts or expressions failed him not a syllable escaped them and turning away as though out of his mind he leapt from the vessel into the boat the sailors were just in time to catch hold of him to steady themselves for his weight and the rebound had almost upset the boat his grace cannot be in his senses said the admiral aloud to raoul i am uneasy on the duke's account replied bragelonne while the boat was advancing toward the shore the duke kept his eyes immovably fixed upon the admiral's ship like a miser torn away from his coffers or a mother separated from her child, about to be led away to death. No one, however, acknowledged his signals, his frowns, or his pitiful gestures. In very anguish of mind, he sank down in the boat, burying his hands in his hair, whilst the boat, impelled by the exertions of the merry sailors, flew over the waves. On his arrival, he was in such a state of apathy, that, had he not been received at the harbour by the messenger whom he had directed to precede him, he would hardly have had the strength to ask his way. Having once, however, reached the house, which had been set apart for him, he shut himself up like Achilles in his tent. The barge bearing the princesses quitted the admiral's vessel at the very moment Buckingham landed. It was followed by another boat filled with officers, courtiers, and zealous friends. Great numbers of the inhabitants of Haver, having embarked in fishing cobbles and boats of every description, set off to meet the royal barge. The cannons from the forts fired salutes, which were returned by the flagship and the two other vessels and the flashes from the open mouths of the cannon floated in white fumes over the waves and disappeared in the clear blue sky the princess landed at the decorated quai bands of gay music greeted her arrival and accompanied her every step she took during the time she was passing through the centre of the town and treading beneath her delicate feet the richest carpets and the gayest flowers which had been strewn upon the ground de guiche and raoul escaping from their english friends hurried through the town and hastened rapidly toward the place intended for the residence of madame Let us hurry forward, said Raoul to De Guiche, for if I read Buckingham's character aright, he will create some disturbance when he learns the result of our deliberations of yesterday.' "'Never fear,' said De Guiche, "'New Ward is there, who is determination itself, while Manicamp is the very personification of artless gentleness.' De Guiche was not, however, the less diligent on that account, and five minutes afterwards they were within sight of the Hotel de Ville the first thing which struck them was the number of people assembled in the square excellent said de guiche our apartments i see are prepared in fact in front of the hotel de ville upon the wide open space before it eight tents had been raised surmounted by the flags of france and england united the hotel was surrounded by tents as if by a girdle of variegated colors ten pages and a dozen mounted troopers Who had been given to the ambassadors for an escort mounted guard before the tents it had a singularly curious effect almost fairy-like in its appearance these tents had been constructed during the night-time fitted up within and without with the richest materials that de guiche had been able to procure in havre they completely encircled the hôtel de ville the only passage which led to the steps of the hotel and which was not enclosed by the silken barricade was guarded by two tents resembling two pavilions the doorways of both of which opened toward the entrance these two tents were destined for de guiche and raoul in whose absence they were intended to be occupied that of de guiche by de wardes and that of raoul by Manicamp. surrounding these two tents and the six others a hundred officers gentlemen and pages dazzling in their display of silk and gold thronged like bees buzzing about a hive every one of them their swords by their sides was ready to obey the slightest sign either of de guiche or braquelonne the leaders of the embassy At the very moment the two young men appeared at the end of one of the streets leading to the square they perceived crossing the square at full gallop a young man on horseback whose costume was of surprising richness he pushed hastily through the crowd of curious lookers-on and at the sight of these unexpected erections uttered a cry of anger and dismay it was buckingham who had awakened from his stupor in order to adorn himself with a costume perfectly dazzling from its beauty and to await the arrival of the princess and the queen mother at the Hotel de Ville. At the entrance to the tents, the soldiers barred his passage, and his further progress was arrested. Buckingham, hopelessly infuriated, raised his whip, but his arm was seized by a couple of officers. Of the two guardians of the tent, only one was there. De Wardes was in the interior of the Hotel de Ville, engaged in attending to the execution of some orders given by de Guiche. At the noise made by Buckingham, Manicamp, who was indolently reclining upon the cushions at the doorway of one of the tents, rose with his usual indifference and, perceiving that the disturbance continued, made his appearance from underneath the curtains. "'What is the matter?' he said in a gentle tone of voice. "'And who is it making this disturbance?' It so happened that at the moment he began to speak, silence had just been restored, and although his voice was very soft and gentle in its tone— everyone heard his question buckingham turned round and looked at the tall thin figure and the listless expression of the countenance of his questioner probably the personal appearance of Manicamp, who was dressed very plainly did not inspire him with much respect for he replied disdainfully who may you be monsieur manikamp leaning against the arm of a gigantic trooper as firm as the pillar of a cathedral replied in his usual tranquil tone of voice "'And you, monsieur?' "'I, monsieur, am the Duke of Buckingham. I have hired all the houses which surround the Hotel de Ville, where I have business to transact, and as these houses are let, they belong to me, and as I hired them in order to preserve the right of free access to the Hotel de Ville, you are not justified in preventing me passing to it.' "'But who prevents you passing, monsieur?' inquired Manicamp. "'Your sentinels.' "'Because you wish to pass on horseback, "'and orders have been given to let only persons on foot pass.' "'No one has any right to give orders here, except myself,' said Buckingham. "'On what grounds?' inquired Manicamp, with his soft tone. "'Will you do me the favor to explain this enigma to me?' "'Because, as I have already told you, "'I have hired all the houses looking on the square.' we are all very well aware of that since nothing but the square itself has been left for us you are mistaken monsieur the square belongs to me as well as the houses in it forgive me monsieur but you are mistaken there in our country we say the highway belongs to the king therefore the square is his majesty's and consequently as we are the king's ambassadors the square belongs to us i have already asked you who you are monsieur exclaimed buckingham exasperated at the coolness of his interlocutor my name is Manicamp, replied the young man in a voice whose tones were as harmonious and sweet as the notes of an aeolian harp buckingham shrugged his shoulders contemptuously and said when i hired these houses which surround the Hotel de ville the square was unoccupied these barracks obstruct my sight i hereby order them to be removed a hoarse and angry murmur ran through the crowd of listeners at these words de guiche arrived at this moment he pushed through the crowd which separated him from buckingham and followed by raoul arrived on the scene of action from one side just as de wardes came up from the other pardon me my lord but if you have any complaint to make have the goodness to address it to me "'inasmuch as it was I who supplied the plans for the construction of these tents.' "'Moreover, I would beg you to observe, monsieur, "'that the term barrack is a highly objectionable one,' added Manicamp graciously. "'You were saying, monsieur,' continued de Guiche, "'I was saying, monsieur le Comte,' resumed Buckingham in a tone of anger more marked than ever, although in some measure moderated by the presence of an equal. I was saying that it is impossible these tents can remain where they are. Impossible? exclaimed de Guiche. And why? Because I object to them. A movement of impatience escaped de Guiche, but a warning glance from Raoul restrained him. You should the less object to them, monsieur, on account of the abuse of priority you have permitted yourself to exercise. Abuse? Most assuredly. You commission a messenger who hires in your name the whole of the town of Havre without considering the members of the French court who would be sure to arrive here to meet madame. Your grace will admit that this is hardly friendly conduct in the representative of a friendly nation.' The right of possession belongs to him who is first on the ground. Not in France, monsieur. Why not in France? Because France is a country where politeness is observed. Which means? exclaimed Buckingham in so violent a manner that those who were present drew back, expecting an immediate collision. Which means, monsieur? replied de Guiche, now rather pale that I cause these tents to be raised as habitations for myself and my friends, as a shelter for the ambassadors of France, as the only place of refuge which your exactions have left us in the town, and that I and those who are with me shall remain in them, at least until an authority more powerful and more supreme than your own shall dismiss me from them. In other words, until we are ejected, as the lawyers say, observed Manicamp, blandly i know an authority monsieur which i trust in such as you will respect said buckingham placing his hand on his sword at this moment and as the goddess of discord inflaming all minds was about to direct their swords against each other raoul gently placed his hand on buckingham's shoulder one word my lord he said my right my right first of all exclaimed the fiery young man it is precisely upon that point I wish to have the honor of addressing a word to you. Very well, monsieur, but let your remarks be brief. One question is all I ask. You can hardly expect me to be briefer. Speak, monsieur. I am listening. Are you, or is the Duke of Orleans going to marry the granddaughter of Henry the Fourth? What do you mean? exclaimed Buckingham, retreating a few steps, bewildered. "'Have the goodness to answer me,' persisted Raoul tranquilly. "'Do you mean to ridicule me, monsieur?' inquired Buckingham. "'Your question is a sufficient answer for me. You admit, then, that it is not you who are going to marry the princess?' "'Thou know it perfectly well, monsieur, I should imagine.' i beg your pardon but your conduct has been such as to leave it not altogether certain proceed monsieur what do you mean to convey raoul approached the duke are you aware my lord he said lowering his voice that your extravagances very much resemble the excesses of jealousy these jealous fits with respect to any woman are not becoming in one who is neither her lover nor her husband And i am sure you will admit that my remark applies with still greater force when the lady in question is a princess of the blood royal monsieur exclaimed buckingham do you mean to insult madame henrietta be careful my lord replied bragelonne coldly for it is you who insult her a little while since when on board the admiral's ship you wearied the queen and exhausted the admiral's patience "'I was observing, my lord, and at first I concluded you were not in possession of your senses, but I have since surmised the real significance of your madness.' "'Monsieur!' exclaimed Buckingham. "'One moment more, for I have yet another word to add. I trust I am the only one of my companions who has guessed it.' "'Oh, you are aware, monsieur?' said Buckingham, trembling with mingled feelings of anger and uneasiness. "'Are you aware that you are holding language towards me which requires to be checked?' Weigh your words well, my lord,' said Raoul haughtily. "'My nature is not such that its vivacities need checking, whilst you, on the contrary, are descended from a race whose passions are suspected by all true Frenchmen. I repeat, therefore, for the second time, "'Be careful!' careful of what may i ask do you presume to threaten me i am the son of the comte de la Fere, my lord and i never threatened because i strike first therefore understand me well the threat that i hold out to you is this buckingham clenched his hands but raoul continued as though he had not observed the gesture at the very first word beyond the respect and deference due to her royal highness which you permit yourself to use towards her be patient my lord for i am perfectly so you undoubtedly so long as madame remained on english territory i held my peace but from the very moment she stepped on french ground and now that we have received her in the name of the prince i warn you that at the first mark of disrespect which you in your insane attachment exhibit toward the royal house of france i shall have one of two courses to follow Either I declare in the presence of every one the madness with which you are now affected and I get you ignominiously ordered back to England, or, if you prefer it, I will run my dagger through your throat in the presence of all here. This second alternative seems to me the least disagreeable, and I think I shall hold to it.' Buckingham had become paler than the lace collar around his neck. "'Monsieur de Bragelonne, he said, "'is it indeed a gentleman who is speaking to me?' yes uh, only the gentleman is speaking to a madman get cured my lord and he will hold quite another language to you but monsieur de bragelonne murmured the duke in a voice half choked and putting his hand to his neck do you not see i am choking if your death were to take place at this moment my lord replied raoul with unruffled composure i should indeed regard it as a great happiness for this circumstance would prevent all kinds of evil remarks not alone about yourself but also about those illustrious persons whom your devotion is compromising in so absurd a manner you are right you are right said the young man almost beside himself yes yes better to die than to suffer as i do at this moment and he grasped a beautiful dagger the handle of which was inlaid with precious stones in which he half drew from his breast. Raoul thrust his hand aside. Be careful what you do, he said. If you do not kill yourself, you commit a ridiculous action, and if you were to kill yourself, you sprinkle blood upon the nuptial robe of the Princess of England. Buckingham remained a minute gasping for breath. During this interval his lips quivered, his fingers worked convulsively, and his eyes wandered as though in delirium then suddenly he said monsieur de bragelonne i know nowhere a nobler mind than yours you are indeed a worthy son of the most perfect gentleman that ever lived keep your tents and he threw his arms round raoul's neck all who were present astounded at this conduct which was the very reverse of what was expected considering the violence of the one adversary and the determination of the other began immediately to clap their hands and a thousand cheers and joyful shouts arose from all sides de guiche in his turn embraced buckingham somewhat against his inclination but at all events he did embrace him this was the signal for french and english to do the same and they who until that moment had looked at each other with restless uncertainty fraternized on the spot in the meantime the procession of the princess arrived and had it not been for bragelonne Two armies would have been engaged together in conflict, and blood have been shed upon the flowers with which the ground was covered. At the appearance, however, of the banners borne at the head of the procession, complete order was restored. End of chapter 85 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia